please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. All right. Good morning. Brent Bagley here with McIntyre Elder Law. I'm here with attorney Greg McIntyre. And today we're going to talk about your fiduciary position. Okay. And fiduciary is a big word. It's one of those words with multiples. Joining us by phone today. Can you tell us what a fiduciary is? A fiduciary is someone who's given a legal duty or who is an agent for someone else, such as appointed in a general durable power of attorney, also known as a financial power of attorney. So I've been appointed a fiduciary or an agent. The new statute calls it an agent in the statute. Oh, so you cut out there what for- What step should I take next? Yeah, yeah. So you cut out there for a second, but I believe what you said was, hey, you know, they've picked me. Someone has picked me because they trust me to, to be in this quote unquote fiduciary position. In other words, they've picked me as their power of attorney or maybe their executor. So what should I immediately do next? OK. And, and I wanted to point out another one that's really, really important. Maybe you've been picked as a trustee for a trust, too. And that could be an extremely important position, which is also a fiduciary position. So what are your immediate next steps? So, you know, that's a really good question that I got the other day um, from a client, you know, just really clear that question, um, you know, and I've gotten it a few other times with regard to each one of these positions. And so I thought it would be helpful to just talk about that. So Greg, if I appoint you as my agent under power of attorney, what should we do next? If you appoint me as your agent under a power of attorney, then you should make sure first that that power of attorney is recorded at the register of deeds. In my opinion, you should make sure because even whether the statute still requires it or not, that's what banks, that's what financial institutions are going to look for in order for you to be able to use it and act as that fiduciary, as that agent for the other person. That's, That's right. what I would do first, Brett. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize what you're doing with the power of attorney is you're giving it to a third party like a bank, like your accountant or the, the principal's accountant. That's the person who makes that power of attorney and appoints you as the agent. So, you know, the, their accountant, maybe their attorney, whoever you're giving that to, you're giving it to a third party. And the third party is then looking at it and evaluating whether, you know, you can actually do what you're saying you can do meaning you can actually act on behalf of that person who made that power of attorney and they have liability. So they don't want to let you do something you actually can't do. So they want to see particular things. They want to see that the power of attorney is robust, that it defines the powers that it sets out. They want to see that there's multiple powers in there, right? That you could actually point to saying, Hey, look, I can do this not only under this power, but also, you know, I can do it under this power too. That's been given to me. And, what helps in that is if you show it to a third party is that it's been recorded at the register of deeds and you've put the world on notice that this person is my power of attorney and we're not hiding anything, right? I'm willing to show, make a public record that I've put this person as power of attorney and that, you know, um, this is something that, that I'm willing to, to share with the world. And that makes a third party feel all, all warm and fuzzy about having to, you know, accept that power of attorney as something that's legitimate. 
Agreed. Agreed. So let's say I've, I've recorded it at the register of deeds. You know, it's, it's legit. It's on public record. Everybody's on notice. Um, what might I want to do next, Brent? Yeah. So, you know, I alluded to it a little bit. I want to make sure that power of attorney actually works. Okay. I want to make sure it's valid. I want to make sure it's notarized, right? If it's some fill in the blank document, it's probably not going to be good enough to use because power of attorney documents are extremely important and they get extremely scrutinized by the people that you give them to. And so I want to make sure it is valid and legit, but then I also want to make sure it is, um, you know, broad enough to, to allow me to do what it is I need to do. Okay. Now, if the principal trusts me, you know, they're going to want to give me broad powers to be able to act on their behalf if they can't. Okay. Now they can limit those powers and we can specifically talk about what, what limitations they want to put in there. But as for the powers that are given and that they are willing to give, they should be broad and um, encompassing so that I can really do anything that they could do for themselves, right? If something were to happen to them. So I could manage their finances, pay their bills, make sure I could protect their property no matter what happens to them. And lastly, you know, get them some type of much needed government benefit to pay for their very expensive long-term care. So, you know, all of that starts with a power of attorney that actually has those powers in the, in the actual document and defined correctly. So I want to look at Agreed. So how might I determine that though? I, you know, if I'm not an attorney, I just was appointed the agent. Maybe I'm a daughter, a son, a relative. Uh, could I take that to an attorney to have that evaluated? Absolutely. So that's the way you do it. You take it to an attorney, you know, you, you sit down with a professional and you go over the power of attorney to make sure it actually has everything that you need. You know, someone probably like an elder law attorney who sees the other side of it, right? You know, one of the reasons why we put all the things we do in our powers of attorney is because we've seen all the situations that, you know, necessitate these important powers and the, for these important powers to be defined. So I know it needs to be in a power of attorney to effectively use that power of attorney as an elder law attorney, right? So another elder law attorney or ourselves could do that for you. And that, that's really what you should do before you start using that power of attorney is figure out what it says, what you can and can't do, and whether or not that's good enough. And if that principle is of sound mind and they're willing to sit down and talk about it, then maybe we should go over it with them. Absolutely. And then what should I do next? Should I take it to the bank or financial institutions? Should I put it on file with them? Yeah, you know, it's extremely important that after you've registered at the Register of Deeds that you submit it to all, you know, financial institutions, all, um, you know, life insurance companies, all of these places that the principal does business with. Because in the future, you might need to use the power of attorney, right? That's the whole point of it. And you want it to be a quick process. You want to just go off with a snap and you don't want to have to, in a crisis mode, send the power of attorney in, have it reviewed by that company's in-house counsel, which can take a couple weeks, and then approved to, to be able to act on their behalf for whatever reason, right? So because that takes so long, you want to do that right at the outset, get that part over with, and make sure that power of attorney is already on file so that they you can effectively act on their behalf if something were to happen to them immediately. You know, you know, Brenton, I've found that 
sometimes it's nice to have an attorney involved in publishing those documents to the financial institutions because that attorney is able to deal with and negotiate with the evaluating attorney at the bank or financial institution yeah um, and explain the power of attorney and why it's valid under north carolina law and sometimes banks look at it under their national policy as opposed to state law yeah absolutely you know and, and I, I found that it's helpful too to have a system in place where you know we for our clients have a system in place where we keep a copy of that power of attorney so that we can you know provide the agent or the principal uh, a copy of that or any other institution if we're given permission to you know a copy of that power of attorney and then explain it to them um you know to to help uh you know get through any of the the process they need to do to to evaluate that power of attorney and approve it um, and we could significantly shorten the amount of time it takes for them to evaluate and approve that power of attorney. And one of the ways that we do that, you know, is keep, keep a record for our clients and keep everything in a digital file that they could access themselves, um, you know, with their own username and password at any time. So they don't have to carry that power of attorney around in the back pocket just to be able to use it. So they can access it on demand, phone, tablet, or computer, um, you know, the touch of their fingertips, they have their very important documents right there. So, Breton, what if I lost the original power of attorney? What if I've recorded it, I've lost it, and the bank's demanding an original, and I just can't find it? What What is another advantage of recording? Yeah, the advantage of recording is, I mean, you can get an exemplified copy from the from the register of deeds. You know, and, and, and a lot of banks will, will absolutely um, – you know, accept that in lieu of the original if it's just lost. And another thing we put in our powers of attorney to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen is we put a provision in there that says copies are just as good as the original, right? So, so a, a lot of times when a third party like a bank sees that, they understand that, okay, I can accept a copy in lieu of accepting the original, not even an exemplified copy, but that's always available if you need it. Um, but I can accept a copy because it says right here in the document, that copies are just as good as the original. And this in of itself is a good reason to maybe review your power of attorney to make sure that that particular provision is in there. Because if it's not, that could be a big deal, right? You would have to show the original to each, to each financial institution or each institution you want to use it. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion. Sometimes I think people are shocked to know that they're the fiduciary. We always advocate communication That's with right. a family. That helps lessen the shock. And it's not bad for the children to sit down and, 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 and know what their responsibilities are going to be. Yeah. Um, and to sit down with the attorney so that, you know, they're, they're, able to hear from the horse's mouth and, and really have a good explanation for what the powers mean, what it means to be a power of attorney um, and uh, what their duty is going to be that if they should accept that duty, they don't have to, but if they should accept the duty um, that it is a fiduciary duty and they're expected to act in a certain manner um, and act in good faith on behalf of the principal. Agreed. Well, thank you, attorney Begley. I appreciate you letting me be in by enjoying my phone today and this has been another episode of the elder law report where we bring you information that can help you
with your estate planning and navigate the legal maze of aging in America. That's right. And, Thanks, and you know, we're doing right now, we're running a special. Um, and, you know, we've been offering free consultations. How can our clients or potential clients, um, you know, take advantage of that? Well, they can simply call us. We have three offices, one in Hendersonville, one in Shelby, North Carolina, and one in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they can simply call one of our offices on the locations page of our website. It has the individual office numbers, pictures, and directions. And we would be glad. We have great people that answer the phone every day, real, live, helpful people that care about you that can help schedule that consult for you. That, or you can go online to mcelderlaw.com slash free consult. And there's a big free consult built, uh, button right on the homepage, Britain. So they can just click and schedule their free consult right there. That's right. That's right. And we'll be happy to sit down with you for an hour for free. Thanks again, Greg, for calling in and having this discussion with me. It's very important. And this has been the Elder Law Report. Thanks, Brent. See you next time. See ya. Life is busy, we all know. We put off planning till things get slow. Tomorrow's never promised today. Don't get too busy and let it all slip away. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Foundational planning or more complex. We can help when you're perplexed. If a loved one needs long-term care, we can help avoid some of the scare. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. State planning benefits and even probate. We take the planning piece off your plate. If you or your spouse were in the military, we can help with benefits for your family. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law.